Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Matt is here to join me, and we are discussing everything Formula One predictions, preview of Bahrain this weekend. So save this one for the future because I'm sure we will look back on it and show how wrong I was just like every other year. But before we dive into that, just a couple of quick bits. Obviously, Drive to Survive came out. Matt, how far have you gotten? Through. Is it okay if I said I finished on Sunday? Does that make me have no life or whatever? No, I think that makes you smart. I've taken the weird approach of limiting myself to one a day because I wanted to draw it out as long as possible. And I'm only done three, so don't spoil anything for me. I don't know what happened last year. Did you, uh, so you haven't gotten to the episode, I think it's called No Regrets. It's about McLaren. I have not gotten there yet. Okay. That was the only one where I was like, I don't like this episode. You know, obviously in Formula One, there's going to be some rift between teammates. But I really don't think the drama between Signs and Norris was as evident as they tried to make it. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what I've... Obviously, you know, it's it's hard to avoid all spoilers. But that's pretty much what I've I've read multiple places. So and they also make Lando sound super pretentious when he says, you know, "If Carlos isn't regretting going to Ferrari, he should be." It's like, well, he's going to Ferrari though. I mean, even driving for Ferrari when they're you know the sixth or so best team in the field, you're still driving for Ferrari and you're still in that family forever. So. And like getting a nice paycheck out of it. Yeah, you're probably getting paid pretty well too, which doesn't hurt either. I mean, as much as, you know, Giancarlo Fisichella started like six races for the team and then became a test driver in 2010, that dude's part of the Ferrari family forever, even though he only did like a little bit of a season after Massa got hurt and then Baudet was terrible. Yeah. Fisichella jumped up. Uh, He gets to tell his grandkids that forever. Like, hey, I drove for Ferrari. Like, that's cool. I don't care if they suck. It's cool to drive for Ferrari. Sorry. Anyways. Between that and then another spoiler I'm sure you've seen is there's really no George Russell or Williams, which was really quite sad. I, I don't know who told me this, but I did hear somewhere that with the exit of the Williams family, Netflix said, hey, you know, do you want to do some, some of the special interviews? And they pretty much didn't really want to talk about it. So I'm bummed there's not more on, on Russell but I get the Williams thing. I guess the family didn't really I don't want to talk about it. They just wanted it to exit quietly. So respect there. But yeah, I obviously I wanted to I, I would want to see more about it too. I haven't gotten as far as you. I'll 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 get to number four. <laughs> well, you know, you have a life is what you're saying. Or a, a better strategy. Because I yeah, I was just I think on Friday when I I think on Friday was the first day it was available. I got through six yeah. episodes or something. So Yeah, and they didn't really talk a whole lot about Russell and Bahrain either, which is kind of a bummer. But anyways, yeah, it was a phenomenal series. Again, they did a really good job and excited for the next season. So speaking of George Russell, we have two quick things to touch on before we uh, get to our preview. Uh, George Russell has now replaced Roman Grosjean as the head of their Drivers Association here in Formula One. Obviously with Grosjean no longer in the sport, it only makes sense that they pick someone new to replace them. So uh, George Russell was selected, which I think is super cool. And then lastly, Renault has said 
in regards to Alpine, it's word for what they what they said. They said, "quote We expect Alpine to be an F1 for an eternity." End quote. That's quite the vote of confidence for a team that was on the brink of being out of Formula One about a year and a half ago. What are you, What are your thoughts on either of those topics? Props to George. Definitely one of the. I I didn't expect them to choose a youngster for this position, but. I mean, cool. It it goes a lot to show that despite being, I don't know, 24, that George Russell is very mature and definitely a real smart guy and real well-spoken Alpine around for an eternity. I mean, it's bold, but we also have seen William Story say he owns 51% of an F1 team. So it's not the most bold thing that we've seen this offseason. For those of you who had over under... Three and a half minutes before Mike mentioned William Story. Congrats to the over crowd. It was over three and a half minutes. We should make that a daily thing. So, uh, well, you're gonna you're gonna fix it then. Uh, yeah, make you can't mo- tell me. Make some money on yeah. the side. Yeah. All right. Preview time. We're gonna do a season preview first because we are ahead of the first race, and then we'll talk specifically about Bahrain a little bit later on. So we're just gonna go kind of in order. Um. I I cryptically uh, ordered these in the order I think the constructor is going to finish. So that is kind of my hidden prediction that we can revisit at the end of the season as well. So we'll start off with Haas. Haas is having their drivers of Mick Schumacher and, you know, we keep saying Haas second driver. Drive to Survive says his name. Does that mean that we can start saying his name too? Whatever you want to do. I don't care. Is it Nakita? You just butcher, butcher it all season long. Oh, I would feel bad. Nikita Mazepin, uh, two rookies. I can't, the top of my head, remember the last time a team fielded two rookies. I'm sure that's been included in about every article that's come out about this team in recent memory. I know HRT 2010 had Senna and Chandhawk. <sighs> Who else? I. I got nothing for you on that one. Was it, no, because Ricardo was a rookie when it was him and Vern. Anyways, so last year they finished P nine in the constructors with three whole points. Um, so obviously they have the two rookie drivers. The Ferrari power should be a little better this year, but Haas has already admitted that they will be focusing on twenty twenty two. So, Mike, oh, go ahead. Let me just. Yeah, I I found uh, the the race. The top all rookie teams. So there was Christian Albers and Patrick Freisiger, Minardi 05, Bruno Senna and Shankock, like you mentioned, HRT, Tiago Montero, and oh, there's no chance I get this guy's name close to right. What's to start with? In, uh, Naren Cartican. Oh, Nar- Nar- yep, that one, Jordan 2005. Veriline and Rio Harinato, a manner in 2016. Jules Bianchi and Max Chilton. Ooh, Marusha, 2013. Martin Brundle. <laughs> Max Chilton. <part> the- <laughs> yeah. Remember that one real quick. Martin Brundle and Stefan Beloff and Tyrrell in 84. And then Verstappen and Signs at Toro Rosso in 2015. So a couple more recent than, than for some reason come to mind when we, when we, started talking about Huss. Yeah. And obviously there's some good names sprinkled in there, but all in all, 
I don't think a single successful season out of those constructors mentioned. So uh, we will see if Haas can buck the trend. Probably not. Um, so yes, Haas has already admitted that they'll be focusing on 2022. So for each team, we're going to do a expectations and how we think the teamers are going to do. And then B, which of the two drivers do we think is going to outperform the other? Go ahead, Mike. So, yes, I think the team is going to finish with zero combined points. And if we are talking outperform, they are only pretty much racing against each other and maybe Williams. And I think Mick Schumacher will outperform Mazepin only because Mazepin is going to get angry at something and probably do something stupid at some point in the year. Do you have a notepad ready? for our hot takes this episode because if we're going to be saving our predictions later as well uh we need to get some uh pen to paper here all right yep. so haas is going to i think go ahead and write this down i think they're going to get two points I think they're gonna they're gonna go down 33 percent this season which is from three to two i do and this is based on history alone i do think mazepin is going to as a whole outperform schumacher if history tells us anything, Schumacher really does struggle the first year of a new series, whether it's F3, F2, and now a little skeptical about Formula One. You know, everybody's probably going to jump on him right away. And then I think once 2022 comes around, especially if this team improves and he's back, I do think we'll kind of see a big jump for next year as far as how he compares to his teammates. So I do think I'm going to give the nod to Mazepin who strangely enough did come out and say that he is he learned his lesson from some of the penalties he received in the past and he's going to be a calmer driver which I don't buy for a second but that's neither here nor there so but I do think Mazepin may be able to he doesn't really have that same history of taking a year to get up to speed per se so that's kind of it. I do have a lot of faith in Mick, but I don't have a lot of faith in Haas. So uh, we, Fair. we can move on to the next team. Yeah, Williams, George Russell, and the Canadian, Nicholas Latifi, last year were the worst team on the grid with zero points. This year, pretty easy to recap though last year, nothing happened. This is the first full season with Dorlatin Capital ownership. They just appointed a new technical director today. His name's escaping me at the moment, but not super important. They haven't really talked on much if they're going to do any 2021 development or focus solely on 2022. They do have one of their two remaining development tokens for the season left. The other was used at the end of 2020 for this year, but we shall see. So Matt, you get to make your hot takes here first. I don't know if there's any hot takes with Williams. Um, I think they'll score a point at some point. I guess we'll focus on the guy who should be getting the points. So George Russell, I think he's going to continue to out-qualify and outpace Latifi. I'm sure Latifi's checks are nice, but I think George Russell's driving is nicer. So not much to it other than I think George is going to have to kind of avoid some of the mistakes from last year. I think the the big one that comes to mind is Imola uh, was yeah. crashing under safety car. That's unacceptable, really. So now he's kind of in the phase of his career where those kind of things aren't really, you know, acceptable anymore. I even think for a rookie, that's pretty, pretty atrocious to wreck under safety car. But 
uh, for, well, for someone in their third year now. Now we we can't really fall back on those rookie mistakes or he's just a young kid. He's really got to kind of step up and limit the mistakes and whatnot in order to try and, and get this team out of the black hole that they've been in for the last several years. So I am going to say Williams is going to have 10 points this year. Ooh. I know I'm really reaching for the stars there with Ooh. 10 points. And yeah, Russell's going to outperform Latifi. I think Russell will have more... I think Latifi will have more spins than Russ than Williams has points. If we're going to go some sort of like ridiculous hot take, and this includes practice because he does love the spin every practice or almost every practice. Move on down to Alfa Romeo. Alfa Romeo P8 in the constructors last year. They are returning their driver lineup with Kimi Raikkonen and Antonio Giovinazzi. I liked uh, I liked this segment they did on Drive to Survive with Gio. He seems like a really nice dude. I don't know if I know anything about Antonio Giovinazzi other than he's Italian, and he's got gray hair. Other than that, I really yeah, I got nothing for I you. I got nothing, but it was nice to kind of see a different side of him. He seems like a really cool dude. So they got eight points last year, so not their best year. Again, that was another one of the teams severely hampered by the Ferrari power unit uh, that underwent changes last year and got way worse so hopefully more improvement this year and i even saw a quote today from george russell saying that alfa romeo was he said quote alfa romeo was one of the most impressive teams during the whole test at bahrain which is high praise i mean i know george russell not really maybe we'll say an expert on determining who may be the best or not the best in, in tests but the fact that he is constantly racing alfa romeo he's gonna have more attention focused on them so the fact that he's coming out right away and saying that maybe means alpha can contend for a q3 spot every now and then or maybe not be one of the ones we earmark for q1 elimination every weekend so we'll see um so what do you think of alfa romeo and their their driver lineup and their chances i mean everything seems more impressive when you drive for williams so no, no offense, George. I don't, I don't know. I think you know where you have them in the list as just above Williams and Haas is probably right where they're they're suited again. It's I, I just had, don't really have a feel for you know, Raikkonen. I don't have a feel for Giovinazzi's talent because last year Ferrari was so slow. The year before he was a rookie, didn't really do anything last year other than crash or two i don't think one was his fault i think he got collected in one but nonetheless you know, that Magello? yeah I'd, i'm 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 gonna say that and and this is purely for prediction reasons that williams will have more points this year than alpha romeo i'll say alpha will be in the five point range write that down i will say Alfa Romeo at least doubles their points. I'm thinking maybe up to the 15 to 16 range. We'll see if they can contend for a couple P8s every now and then. I, It's hard to bet against Kimi Raikkonen, but I think Giovinazzi was kind of given a second chance this year, and I really would like to see him capitalize on it. So I think that Giovinazzi is going to have more fire and more tenacity to go out there and prove himself versus Kimi Raikkonen, who's openly stated that this is just a hobby for him and he's just out here just to have fun. Um, so I think Gio is going to do 
quote unquote better for the team this year than Kimi Raikkonen, which is probably a take if I had to say so myself. I can respect that. Ferrari is next. Mencia Bonotto led Ferrari. We got Leclerc and newcomer Carlos Sainz. Last year, they were P6 and constructors with 131 points. Obviously, the big change is no Sebastian Vettel and Carlos Sainz. The team has already punted on 2021, but should have a little bit more power in those engines this year. So, Matt, what do you think about our friends at Ferrari? I think they're going to have a tough year, and I'm curious to see. You know, I know they may be focusing on 2022, but like if they develop the car at all, and I remember it's a 23 race season, it'd be kind of a kind of a long time to go without doing something. So we'll see if they at least do a little bit of tweaking, especially before Monza. Uh, as far as the drivers, they got two really talented drivers. I no longer have to worry about one of their drivers spinning at the side of a curb. So that's really nice. Uh, I think I'm still going to give the uh, tip to Charles. Uh, obviously, he's been with the team for two years now, so he's really comfortable kind of in the environment he's in. He doesn't really need to get up to speed per se, kind of just dust off the cobwebs and get to it versus Carlos. You know, every driver that switches team, it takes at least three to five races to just get acclimated into the season and get used to the you know, engineers, the language, the feel, the brake pedals, steering, etc. So I think we got to kind of let Carlos develop a little bit before he can, we can really judge him against Charles. But I think Leclerc is the second, I think he's the second or third best driver in the field. So I'm, I'm never really going to get a bet against him per se. Where are they finishing this year to you? Oh, yes. What are, what are you- uh, well, so the, I have him at seventh, and this is where we're going to have this kind of like exponential jump. I'm not going to say where they were last year. I think they're going to be closer to maybe 75 points or so. Because I don't, it's just tough to tough to tell with the language and the way they're expressing themselves so far this preseason. I I just don't see them contending for podiums. So I think limiting expectations for Ferrari fans this year might be tough, but I think somewhere in the 75 to 80 points range, I think is where I have them at. Giving my prediction is also going to kind of segue into our talking about Alpine next, but I'm going to, throw a little bit of a hot take out there and say that Ferrari scores more points than Alpine, but in that six and seven ranges, you know, they're kind of interchangeable. So, but speak on Ferrari. Yeah. Leclerc might luck into a podium because he gets every ounce of skill out of that car. But I mean, really, if you read everything, there's no, the team has no hope when, you know, Bonotto's like, yeah, I'm going to go watch Netflix and get ready for 2022. It doesn't leave you particularly inspired. And as a driver, I'm not even kind of like pushing the extra mile if, if I know my team is just kind of punting on the year already. Yep. But I still think they are going to be a little bit better than Alpine. Well, let's get to Alpine. Alpine, and I guess maybe I need to change my prediction. I forgot this last year was only 17 races and this year's 23 need to change my prediction we'll go we'll bump it up to 110 how about just because i forgot there's the extra races now still got the 2020 mindset so we got alpine next uh esteban Ocon returns daniel ricardo is out 
and Fernando Alonso is in. He's back. Uh, obviously, Alpine was Renault uh, the last several seasons, but they have rebranded. And so Alonso is back with this team for the first time since 2009. And also with Ricardo gone, uh, Ciro Ebitabal, Ebitabal, that that him, Cyril, he is also gone. And I didn't know this, but they don't have a team principal, which is kind yeah, they, of a take by Alpine <laughs> to enter a season without a team a, principal. They have like a technical director. They've got like six guys who are kind of like each heading up. Like one guy is the at track principal, the other guy is the factory principal. You know, I'm I'm, I'm generalizing the terms, but I, I I read deeper into you know there's four or five different guys who are kind of quote unquote a step below team principal, but it's a it's a bold strategy. Yeah, I mean, I I for one always kind of sit back and think, you know, if the Titanic didn't have a captain, I think they would have made it. Probably. If they just had six it, people kind of like bouncing ideas off each other and could have just missed the iceberg. Yeah, maybe. No, that's actually not a thought I've ever had. Anyways, no. uh, so they were P5 in the structures last year in the Renault name, 181 points. A lot of people had them pegged for that P... Well, before we knew Ferrari, it was a catastrophe. They had them pegged for that P4 area, which was really turned into the P3 area. Once we got into the season, we knew the Ferrari was rubbish. So, uh, this year, kind of uh, not a whole lot to read into. I mean, sure, they might be a little quick, but it's really hard to peg where they're going to be at in the grand scheme of things. So, I'll talk about Ocon later in the episode. (laughs) Alonzo, I think, is... He's one of the best. I mean, you know, look at his track record. I know he's not been in the sport for a couple years, but... I think he's the kind of guy who can step into anything and just be fast. And obviously in Formula One, fast is a relative term. I think he'll be fast compared to his teammates. So I do give Alonzo the uh, edge on this one. And then as far as the team, I will say conservatively 145-ish points, somewhere in that area. I do think they can... uh, contend for Q3 and kind of contend for some 7th, 8th, 9ths every now and then. I really do think they're standing in the Constructors' Championships really going to come down to Ocon and if he can perform a little better this year. I feel like you're going to steal my prediction if you're kind of alluding to what I think you're going to... So... I'll need to go first for that category then. Yeah, let's hope that does... Uh, Yeah, I don't have anything to add to that. Alonzo has alluded to the fact he thinks they may not have the greatest year this year in in preparation for next year. So that has me a little worried because it's kind of, he, there was an article that came out about it, but then not much was said. So yeah, I I think again, so Ferrari had 131 last year. You said Alpine will have 145 this year. So I'll say Alpine is going to have 150 and Ferrari is going to have 140. We're just going to have some fun with that and dive down into the top half of the grid here. Aston Martin, Matt's hero, idol, and favorite human alive, Sebastian Vettel, steps in to be Lance Stroll's teammate. They were P4 last year, and Matt is predicting them to be P5 this year. 
They had 195 points last year. Obviously, they were in the pink racing point car. No Sergio Perez, Sebastian Vettel. The car doesn't appear to be Mercedes 2.0 like it was last year. And they did have some engine reliability issues in testing. So, Matt, why'd you have him at P5? I have faith in Lawrence Stroll. Are you, did you, I mean, watching that dude in Drive to Survive, that guy's intimidating. It's easy to see. I, it's easy to see why that dude's one of the best businessmen in the world. Good lord, that dude comes into a meeting, shakes my hand, and tells me to do something. I'm gonna do it. I he comes into, you know, racing point and says we need to do X, Y, and Z. All of a sudden, they have a cloned for or a cloned Mercedes car. It's like, all right, well, that's kind of what he asked for, right? So, I have complete faith in Lawrence Stroll to kind of get this team up the grid. I think with the rebrand to Aston Martin and then no longer riding the coattails of Mercedes, it's going to take a little bit of time for them to, to adjust. But he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who is going to be like, you know, guys, 2021, we're going to be okay. But 2022, there's a lot of regulations changing. So we're going to focus all of our energy on 2022. He doesn't strike me as that kind of person. He's going to be like, you know, I want to win now. I want this team to be good. I want Aston Martin to as a brand look good and therefore we're going to do good. So I'm going to peg him for 200 ish points. And that is as long as Sebastian Vettel doesn't drive like a clown, which I know is kind of a big F Lance. We're still kind of waiting for Lance. Obviously he had two podiums last year, had to pull a Turkey, but can't sit here and say that he outshone Perez because he didn't. So he needs to, he, I still haven't seen the redeemable qualities for him to be a, a clear consensus. Number one driver. So I still need to see more from him. And then if, if Vettel can kind of get away from maybe the pressure of having to drive for Ferrari and needing to push the absolute limit all the times, which maybe led to some of his mistakes, I think he can do well. So I think as long as Aston Martin gets some of their issues figured out, I do expect them to be, you know, plenty quick to be Q3 and contending for top 10 Z trace. Yes, I definitely agree there. I think, you know, the 180 to 200 point range is, is definitely doable and, and think they'd be, they would have had what 210 last year if it wasn't for the 15 point. Yeah, they would have been Q3. Yep. So nonetheless, yeah, I think that's fair. I, think this year i don't want to say is a make or break year for lance stroll because as long as his dad's there he's probably safe but it's a make or break year for showing how skillful of a driver he is he's got to step up this year and be one of those fastest six on a weekly basis fastest seven maybe and yes lawrence stroll i don't think any man has ever intimidated me through Netflix before until now. And I've said that like four times this week, but yeah, I, I wanted to like fly to, to the factory and help out the team. And, and some, I was just sitting here watching the episode. Yeah. And obviously it, it comes off that he and, and Lance have a, a very good dynamic, even if it may be strange to the outsider's perspective, but obviously there's a lot of support between the two of them. Do you ever see a point in time where Lawrence sits Lance down and says that maybe they need to change up direction with the driver lineup? As far as, hey, Lance, you're gone. 
yes, but not this year. Okay. So maybe in the future, but not this year. All right. Yeah. No, no chance this year. Alpha Towery, the two-time Grand Prix winner, Alpha Towery. They finished P7 in the Constructors last year with 107 points, but obviously, again, Pierre Gasly scored their team's second win at Monza. A uh, brilliant drive from Pierre. And then Danny Kafiat is gone. Shucks. And Yuki Sonoda is now in from F2. Um, last year, the team will be running with Honda because obviously Honda is gone after this season. And I know it's just testing again, but the team appears to have made some big strides when it comes to speed and whatnot for this season. So are we looking at a potential Cinderella story here? Oh, if there's ever a season for us, there's ever a team to be the Cinderella team this year. It's Alpha Towery. Gasly, after his win, looked much more consistent the second half of last year. Drove really, really well, with the exception of getting collected in that Mugello accident. Sonoda was super impressive in, in testing, and I mean, it caught me off guard. I know his fastest lap was kind of not necessarily 100% legal, not that it matters for testing, but. Still, I think they're, I, yeah, I think they're a perfect spot for a, either a fourth in the constructors or or maybe if Aston Martin is fourth, they're fifth. You know, definitely top, top half of the grid easily. I agree. I think somewhere around the two hundred and thirty point range. I think is definitely obtainable for them. Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today. I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. As long as Yuki doesn't completely bottle it, and as long as you know Pierre continues to show the kind of skill and craft that we've seen from him ever since he returned to Toro Rosso slash Alpha Tauri. So um, I do have a lot of high hopes for the team, and I think uh, I definitely think they can contend for a podium here or there for sure. Did you read the Gasly? Players Tribune article. Yes, I did at six thirty this morning because I kind of woke up and couldn't go back to sleep. Oh, that's a good time to read it. That's very well read. If uh, very well written, if you guys haven't read it on Gasly and everything he's gone through, it's a good read. 
So we've we've got three more to go. Probably the biggest surprise. I don't know, biggest surprise, but most impressive of testing. McLaren has Lando and Daniel Ricardo this year. Last year they were P three. We they are switching to Mercedes engines this year, obviously, and Ricardo takes Carlos Sainz's place. Their new diffuser setup in testing wowed just about everybody. Like we mentioned last week, they were P3 last season, and it was their probably their best year in at least six or seven or eight years that I can think of off the top of my head. So are, are they in line for a quote-unquote podium finish this year again? Yeah, I don't think there's a, any doubt in my mind they'll snag maybe four or five podiums i definitely think it's uh something obtainable and a lot of positives and a lot of optimism out of the team after testing and just kind of the development they've been doing and finished p3 last year as well so definitely a lot of a lot of good vibes in the team i'm gonna put them around 275 280 points i don't think that's out of the question for them and i think uh yeah Looking good, and you, Daniel Daniel kind of timed this move pretty good. If if you had to say one McLaren driver is poised for a win this year, who are you picking for for to stand on that top step? Yeah, I mean, I mentioned Charles earlier. As far as Charles being top top three in my book, I'd say Max is number one and Lewis is number two in my book, and then I put Leclerc. I think Ricardo is about fourth. I think Ricardo and then maybe Alonzo. That would be probably my top five from the field. So I think as long as Ricardo can get up to speed, and he's he's commented um, in a couple releases saying that, you know, I felt comfortable, but I still got to kind of figure out some of the fine tunings of everything, which, again, is understandable for a new team. So I do give the edge to Ricardo and, like, we talked about last week, you know, McLaren is going to need to come out swinging because teams will be hot on their tails with that diffuser and whatnot. So um, hopefully they can continue to make minor improvements to that car as the season goes. But yeah, I do think I would give the, the edge to Ricardo on the season as well. Yeah, I would too. Red Bull, number two. I know we have a lot of optimism about them. Maybe dethroning Mercedes, but I think we kind of need to take a step back and realize who Red Bull's competing with and no shame to losing Mercedes because we're talking about a dynasty here. Uh, so drivers, they got Max Verstappen and Checo Perez has moved to Red Bull and everybody loved to see that. Uh, they are coming off a P2 in the Constructors' Championship with 319 points like Alpha Tauri last season with the Honda badges. Uh, it seems like after Bahrain, they've gained some pace on Mercedes. But I think at the end of the day, Mercedes is still going to be king. Uh, so I'm going to obviously give the edge to Max. I don't know if that's probably one of the easier ones we've done throughout the field. And then I'll say they do gain plenty of points up to about the 400-ish area. Yeah, if they can, you know, there's a couple... The first race of the year last year, where Verstappen had the engine issue, and yeah, like eight laps time. in. So if if they can eliminate those alone, they can get up to near four hundred points, especially because Albon is no longer there. 
I think P2 is the perfect spot for them. I, I agree. I think Max might steal an extra win or two this year versus where he has in the past. And I'm going to have a super hot take uh, in a couple minutes here, but I'm going to, I'm not going to not spoil it too early. So yeah, I, I think they aren't even going to be battled for P2 unless somebody completely comes out of left field. They are the clear number two. And that leaves us with everybody's favorite team, Mercedes, Mm -hmm. obviously Lewis and my pal Valtteri Botas are back in the 44 and 77 this year. They had 573 points last year. I expect them to have 864,000 points this year. Just kidding. I think they'll take a little step back and be around, I don't know, 480 to 500, let's say. The dust that they had on there, the active suspension they had last year, I forget what the D stands for. That sounds really wrong. Dynamic. But uh, dynamic, yeah. We're going to leave that in there so everybody can laugh a little bit. Uh, not on the car this year because it was banned. Their tests proved unreliable. Both guys said the rear of the car did not feel right. Hamilton had a number of spins in testing. Obviously, they they will take a little bit of a step back to Red Bull, I think. But I yeah, I still think they're the odds-on favorite to win the championship, and we can take that to the bank. Yes, I think um, I definitely think there's a little bit of a dynamic this year. I think kind of similar to last year, they both came into this season with only a one-year deal. So, especially if you, I mean, Lewis. Uh, he's got his, you know, his ideas of what he wants to do and whatnot and how he negotiates with Mercedes based on X, Y, and Z. And I think until he locks down a contract, he's going to kind of always have these retirement rumors lingering around. Or, you know, is he just going to leave the sport for a couple of years and take a sabbatical until he kind of locks down a multi-year deal that's going to continue? So we're going to have probably a whole nother year of that. And then with Botas, he's going to have the kind of shadow of George Russell over him all season. So I think both kind of have something to prove this year to an extent. Lewis has kind of done it all and seen it all, so... For him, his big goal this year is to get 100 wins, which I think he's, what, like seven or eight away uh, or six away, somewhere around there. And then Botas, he's just got to survive, really. He's just He said he's going to be a little more selfish this year. I'll believe it when I see it. I'm going to put him around. I do think they're going to backslide a little bit. So even with the extra races, I think I'm going to put him around 515 points, which I know is... I think still a hundred points clear of what I had Red Bull at, so it's not exactly, yeah, uh, not exactly terrible. He's five wins away from hitting on. So yeah, I think that's definitely going to happen. It's more of a twenty-three race calendar. Yeah, yeah, it's more of a win than if. So as long as Mercedes is complete garbage, I think, uh, I think he'll get that done. So yeah. Uh, constructors champion and Hamilton drivers champion. It's kind of sad that we already know that, but. Who knows? We're counting on you, Red Bull. You're our only hope. Please. All right. Now we're going to jump into some season predictions real quick. Let me go ahead and get these first couple out of the way here. Mike, tell a story that'll last about 15 seconds. Okay. So for those who are interested, Matt and I are going to be doing before 
each F1 race, kind of like a pre-race show on Twitch and YouTube, as long as YouTube works. And it will sometimes have guests helping us out. It'll be on Twitch, so I'll try to have some like cool graphics and whatnot and, and have some fun with it. And so, yeah, we will do that probably about a half hour to 40 minutes prior to green flag and then end up or end, you know, maybe five, 10 minutes before green flag. So everybody can get comfortable. But Matt, our first predictions, I am, I'm, I shook my head as I was giving that answer because I'm going to change one on you. You're not. Yes. And I am only doing this for the record. I don't believe. No, don't no, definitely not. I am not picking Botas as my driver's champion. I no, not that either. I I am going to pick Max as my driver's champion for the year. And that's purely to go full hot take. And I don't know if it will actually happen, but why not? Let's have some fun with this prediction and, and not go Mercedes straight down the row. But yes, I know. You, uh, go ahead. Well, I have Lewis as a champion. I've filled in driver's champion, constructor's champion, and rookie of the year. All Michael's doing that because... Lewis is the odds-on favorite. Merck is the odds-on favorite. Are you keeping Merck, or do you want to switch it to Red Bull? No, that's I'm I'm cool with All that. Right. And then for rookie of the year, we both put in Yuki because yes, well, it's not going to be Mick or Nikita unless we're missing something here. So, who is your team with the biggest rise in the standings? Before I get there, it'll be on my Twitch, Mjokum PLP on Sunday morning. People don't know how to spell no, Jokum. Just go to my Twitter. <laughs> Biggest rise for team, uh, Alpha Towery. Yeah. So do we want to go by, yeah, we're going to go by standings then. For the sake of disagreeing, I'll go with Alpha Romeo. Okay. Respect. Uh, team most likely to fall in the standings. I will go with, I don't know, there's not that many choices. I'll go with Ferrari. Okay. I'll go with Alpine. It's pretty much the only team yeah. you could really. Unless somebody has a, a a bad year that is totally unexpected. Ocon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, first driver to be fired this year. So I say Ocon just because he couldn't hold a candle to Ricardo. I know he did get the podium, but he couldn't hold a candle to Ricardo pretty much the whole season. And another thing you have to keep in mind when it comes to hiring and firing is there has to be people in the background to replace them. And Alpine has like 85 junior drivers ready in the waiting so and there's you know people like hulkenberg etc so i'll i'll say Ocon is the first to get axed i mean you know this is an if somebody gets axed who is it going to be i think it's going to be Ocon. so purely for the sake of disagreeing with you i mean i have never had an answer stolen quicker <laughs> i know you technically also did like 35 minutes ago i'm gonna go giovanazzi oh and my boy geo i know Mr. Jesus Hare is going to get fired at some point this year. First team principal to get fired again if someone gets fired. Who who is that going to be? I think partway through the year. So I mean, my answer would be Alpine, but they don't technically have a team principal. All six so going to get fired. Yeah, I think that I I don't. I'm Mattia Bonotto. At some point, Ferrari is just going to be like this is this is an absolute embarrassment and. We need to go in a different direction in 2022. 
and let's get the ball rolling early. All right. I think our boy Lawrence is going to sack Otmar at some point. Otmar Svatnar. Otmar made a good point in Drive Five. You know, like he's been with Force India slash Racing Point for 10 years or something. And so it's kind of strange when a team gets bought and the new owner kind of doesn't change anything with management to keep continuity. But at at a certain point, I feel like that's going to end. And if this Alf, or sorry, if this Aston Martin project doesn't kind of hit the ground running as expected, uh, I think poor Otmar might feel the wrath of Lawrence right away. And I don't know how many races it's going to be, but I think uh, Otmar, unfortunately, he seems like a really good dude and really solid team principal. Just kind of one of those things where it's a lot of factors that are out of his control that might lead to his sacking. So. Next one, will this schedule make it through the season without any cancellations? Definitely not. I concur. I think I think Canada is, yeah. or, is Canada and Mexico are the ones that worry me the most right now, and that's just because of how conservative Canada seems to be being without their borders. I think when we do the IndyCar preview, I will probably say the same thing about Toronto in July. Yeah, I'll be surprised if Toronto's not axed within the next month here. But yeah, I think Montreal is kind of the the one that stands out to me as most concerning. I don't know where France is at right now, too, with the French Grand Prix, but um, that'd be another one to watch out for. All right, so driver outside of Mercedes, Red Bull, and McLaren most likely to win. Driver, let's see here, outside of those teams. Let's go Sebastian Vettel. Ooh, the spice. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I want this to be somewhat hot takey throughout the entire episode because, yeah, continue. How's Yuki Sonoda for hot take? That's hot take. That's that's super spicy. Let's go, Yuki. I'm, I'm, I'm depending on you, man. I got faith. I got the faith that you're going to get a win. Let's do it. All right. First team to score a point, Hosser Williams. <laughs> Williams. <laughs> uh, all right. I'll go Haas and it'll be Mazepin and the internet will cease to exist. Okay. <laughs> it'll be the Haas is going to Haas or F1 are going to have a post on Instagram about it. And it's going to get 30, 37,000 comments in two hours or something like that. Twitter will like simultaneously just combust within minutes. Yeah. All right. Um, last season prediction that we have here how many months before william story's next video press conference on twitter well i have heard there's some not good news coming in his future around easter which is is he listening two weeks away i hope (laughs) so i'm gonna say we are not gonna make it another month before he does a video press conference on twitter i think he will manage in two months to take some time between him getting sued into the ground to have a video press conference at some point. So I'll give it the old two months. Um, Price is right rules. If you, uh, if you go under, you, lo- you yeah. lose. All right. Yes, sir. That's all we had. So thanks for listening to our season preview. Going to shift now to Bahrain. It's race week. It is. As much as that. It's weird. Everybody tired of hearing that is kind of a weird phrasing, but 
is race week. That means we have practice on Friday and Saturday qualifying, obviously the race on Sunday. I guess kind of the big change this year with Formula One as a whole is F2 and F3 aren't running on the same weekends this year. So this weekend we have F2, which has a sprint race Saturday morning, Saturday midday, and then the feature race Sunday morning. So I just wanted to get that in there before we discuss it. And at some point in the next couple of weeks, I will try to do a deeper dive on what's going on in F2 and F3. The driver lineups are like just getting finalized. I saw a couple confirmations in the last few days, so won't won't touch too much on that. But Matt, two questions. Will we see similar results to testing, which was you know about two weeks ago? And would you prefer the outer loop instead of the Grand Prix circuit? I think I know the answer to that one. Oh, outer loop all the way. Um, it's not as Formula One-y, but it's definitely more entertaining. So uh, I'll miss the outer loop this year. And then, yes, kind of similar to what we see from Spain. I do think testing is going to be a pretty good indication of what we see. So kind of the Alpha Tauri, uh, McLaren, Red Bull, and Mercedes, I do think they're going to be kind of the contender for the points haul this week. Yeah, fair. I, I agree. And I also wish we were running the outer loop all day, all night. I would take that race 23 times a year. That's a little bit of an exaggeration, but all right, it's time to make our first weekend predictions. So, Matt, who's going to have a good good weekend? Well, what are we starting with our precedent here? Am I allowed to... Can we give it a first couple races before we uh, exclude Mercedes from this? Yes, I think we can give it the first four weekends. Hamilton! Next. Okay, well, in that case, I'll take Verstappen. Lame. Yeah, well... Whatever. <laughs> Bad, bad weekend. Let's say Ocon. Dang, really wanted fired. <laughs> um, <laughs> I am going to say not a good debut for Vettel. All right, dark horse top five. Let's go with the gas man, Pierre Gasly. Gas. All right, I will take. And what's what's a dark horse top five? Obviously, like you can't say Botas. Let's say Lance Stroll. Is that dark horse? Oh, we kind of don't know. So for now, you're you're good. And then lastly, okay. will a Ferrari make Q3? I'm going to say yes, Leclerc. Yes, and we'll just say one. Okay. That's and I'll fair. say no. Screw okay. Him. I like Ferrari. Screw him. Oh, that's it. That's <laughs> first preview of the season. I mean, it's kind of short. We did a lot of previewing already, so... Um, we don't really have a whole lot of headlines because it's kind of like test to race, but now, you know, if there's dramas, as Lee Diffie would say or whatnot, we can discuss those into the next preview that we have. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be a fun weekend. Practice one, 7.30 a.m. Eastern on Friday. Qualifying is 11 a.m. Saturday morning, and the race is 11 a.m. Sunday morning, which means... We'll do our preview on Twitch and YouTube around 10.30 a.m. Eastern, give or take five minutes. Look to the 
podcast Twitter account for the links to that when it when we when we pop up on Sunday. But Matt, it's been a lot of fun. I'm excited for the season to start. I'm I'm like literally every day. It's just going to be a, a one of those like slow work weeks because I want it to be at least Friday so I can watch some cars practice and and whatnot. So we'll wrap it up there, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Give us your predictions on Twitter. Maybe we'll make a couple Twitter polls this week on comparing Matt and I's predictions and see who more people agree with. Probably Matt. So no. I mean, why would anybody agree with me? You've seen my my predictions. Oh, also, there's the Pit Lane Parlay F1 Fantasy League, which is just the F1.com one. I'll tweet out the link to that a couple times this week and this weekend before the race. But, guys, enjoy the race weekend, and we will be back next week to discuss everything that happened and then look ahead to race number two. Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. I recently joined as a member, and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. Coming up on 5-Minute News. I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily.